Hello again, everyone. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. We are up to episode number 152. I am Michael Citro, managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. We cover everything Orlando City, Orlando Pride, Orlando City B, and even the Orlando Seawolves. Joining me as always, David Rowe up in Tallahassee. Dave, how are you? Oh, I'm feeling a little bit like the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yep, you are late for a very important date. Uh, we normally record this on, well, actually, we normally record on Tuesday, but She Believes Cup was uh, preempted that for us, and then we normally record at, like, 7.30, and you had a work thing, and you were going to be home by 9, and then now it's uh, really a lot later than that, so... It is indeed. <laughs> I'm hoping we can uh, plow through this in, with a little more haste than we normally do. Let's start off with a maybe a draw that felt a little bit like a win, that felt a little bit like uh, a loss in some respects, because Orlando City started the season as it usually does, with a draw at home. Uh, that is one win, four draws, no losses on opening day now in uh, five opening days in MLS play. Orlando City with a 2-2 draw against New York City FC, and it was a game really that Orlando City had uh, a lot of control of the ball, a lot of some early good chances that didn't get converted. Uh, New York City scores a cracker from distance, uh, and and it starts to look like the same old Lions when New York City scored again at the end of the first half, right before halftime. And uh, Orlando City, um, you know, they'd come out in a in a not a formation that surprised that was surprising, but I think uh, the starting lineup surprised for a number of reasons. I think yeah. a lot of people expected Dom Dwyer in the starting lineup, but he missed all of preseason. So I think a lot of people don't realize that coaches don't like to put guys in that have missed all of preseason because they're not <laughs> match fit. Right. Um, Nani had. Uh, only been with the team two weeks and he had missed almost a full week uh in traveling back to portugal and back from portugal uh so that he could get his uh, paperwork and be eligible to even play in he the had game. essentially just gotten off the plane yeah he, he, he arrived he was at training on friday but i think he landed either really late thursday night or really early friday morning and uh, so, yeah, not a surprise. Again, that uh, he hadn't played a game since February 3rd. So, again, not necessarily 90-minute match fit. Um, so, not surprising to me, but apparently surprising to a lot of people. Uh, the defense was surprising to me, but only because we didn't know at the time Lamine Sané picked up a knock in training on Friday. Uh, he's, his uh, quad uh, is bugging him. He's week-to-week officially by the team. Um, so he was out, and uh, Carlos Asquez also missed a great deal of preseason. So he was available on the bench, but he did not play. So the the back line was a very makeshift back line, really, of of uh, Shane O'Neill and uh, uh, Alex DeJohn, who I expect will be a starter, or, or O'Neill will be. One of those two will be the third starter when Asquez and Sané are healthy. Uh, and then rookie Kamal Miller, who coincidentally we will talk to a little later in the program, made his uh, MLS debut. The rookie who signed just the day before the season, um, and he was the second-round draft pick for Orlando City. Um, he uh, he was a he got his first start, so it didn't look good, especially when you consider that Ruan also still nursing a hamstring. Kyle Smith got the start there, 
uh, it was uh, a really makeshift back. And then, of course, you know, you got the normal Orlando City uh, disdain for Sasha Kleshton and Will Johnson clouding some uh, emotion there and sure. uh, and some reason. But um, I, I thought both Kleshton and and, and uh, Johnson played quite well in the game for, for, you know, the players that they are. Will Johnson, the only thing he didn't do well was score. He did everything else well. Uh, he missed a, a pretty good opportunity uh, in the game, shooting just wide. But um, yeah, you know, Will's not a big scorer, so it's not that's not that big a uh, surprise really. But he did a lot of the things. The thing I loved about Will Johnson in this game is that in the 90th minute, he was still sprinting his tail off to get in front of people and make sure that uh, you know he was uh, he was doing his job. Sasha Kleshin too, actually. Sasha was dog tired and you could tell from about the 70th minute on yep. he had nothing left in the tank and yet late in that game he ran somebody down from behind and I didn't even think he could because they didn't think he was faster than the guy he was chasing <laughs> but he did it and uh you know kudos to him so I thought they both had a good game second half though much better Dave the uh of course the introduction uh of of Nani and Dom Dwyer of course uh, Chris Mueller threw the team a lifeline on a free kick one of those dangerous ones from the corner of the box where you just kind of swing it in near the back post. And if nobody, if somebody heads it, it's probably going in. And if somebody doesn't head it, it's probably going in. So yep. if you if you hit it with enough pace and you get it uh, you know, placed just right, it's going to be a dangerous ball. And uh, that's what Mueller did. He was able to break a something like a 25-game streak without a, between goals. He, he scored goals in three straight games last year at the beginning of the year then didn't score again until opening day so hopefully he'll uh, go on a, a different streak now absolutely and look he got the first goal of the season so you know give it up to him for that um additionally he, he had his usual you know 180 uh horsepower motor running the entire time so uh, you know, no complaints in that regard. Um, he is, as I, I can't remember who wrote it, but he is the uh, emotional heart of this team. Um, and uh, he always gives everything. So I don't have any complaints about that. Um, the impact uh, when Dom and Nani came on was immediate um, and obvious. And once those two are 90 minute fit, I think it'll help out a lot. Uh, going back to what you said at the beginning in regards to the back line, um, obviously it was a little bit makeshift. Um, but, you know, yeah, they started out uh, letting up a couple goals, but like we said, one of them was a screamer from the outside. And then, you know, it, it's the first match of the season. There's going to be glitches. That's going to happen. So if if those guys are not the, uh, the starters uh, going forward, um, but they can provide decent depth. I think that's a good thing. And then finally with going down two nil coming back. Um, yeah, we all would have liked to have gotten three points on the first match, but let's be honest. Uh, we had no idea what to expect with so many new players and to go out there, go down two nil at the half and still come back and get a point and do what they did. Um, yeah, you want it more, but let's let's if if we're being honest with ourselves, that's that's a good result, um, and I'm going to be happy with it, knowing that uh, there's so many people who haven't played together in a match 
together that it's it's something that has to be worked on and I know we said the same thing last year with all the new people but uh, I think through the preseason and even in that first match we've and less than that first match than we saw during the preseason but we're seeing what James O'Connor wants to do and I think it's a with the more attack minded that it is it's something that we can all look forward to and I and and end of the day I'll take a result so uh, yeah I know you're talking about Nani and Dwyer come in 69th 70th minute uh, Nani does what we expect him to do this season he unlocks the defense with one just absolutely beautiful pass perfectly weighted uh, he read Dom Dwyer before Dom Dwyer made his run yep. and uh, that's really been the problem for a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Orlando's problems in the past year with offense is you know people recognizing the run too late and then Dom's offside so uh, I think you're going to see Dom be offside a little less this year because with a guy of Nani's quality, he's going to be able to read that run before it gets made, where maybe some of his other teammates in the past have not quite been able to do that. And It was a beautiful ball, good run. He gets in, draws the defender and the goalkeeper over to him, and then he's got the presence of mind to slide it over to Tesho Akindele for his first goal as a Lion, and it's 2-2. Chris Mueller starts getting up that right side and, and creating havoc and uh, sends a ball in. Dom gets a header on it, and what should have been a penalty uh, is, of course, oh. not a penalty because it's because oh. it, it didn't hit Servando Carrasco in the chest. So yeah. it's obviously a penal, not a penalty. But, uh, yeah, Maxime Cheneau had the arm way out. He moved the hand to the ball. There was sufficient room, in my opinion, for that, uh, that call to be made. It wasn't like a bang-bang play. Um, it was it was a handball. It was clearly a handball, and then the it didn't get called live. They looked at, they buzzed down. Uh, Baldomero Toledo went over and uh, refused to overrule himself because you know there's no no nobody wants to admit they were wrong. Uh, but Baldomero Toledo was absolutely incorrect, and and I think Bobby Warshaw might be the only person that I've seen that said that was not a penalty. I mean, everybody said it was a penalty Sunday night, both games. Both announcing crews said it was a stone cold penalty. Um, it should have been a penalty, and did it cost it was, Orlando the game? No, you can't say that because you don't know that they're going to step up and hit the penalty. They still got to do that. Sean Johnson's a pretty good goalkeeper. Maybe he keeps it out, but I think you can the say chances, potentially yeah, left. the chances yeah. of the victory exponentially improve with a penalty kick in the final few minutes of the game. Absolutely, and it was clear. And obvious penalty. This should not be in dispute. Um, there, like you said, there's almost nobody who is not saying that. And uh, unless you're a NYCFC, and even then, if you're an honest NYCFC, you're going, yeah, yeah, that should that was a handball. Um, it, it utterly ridiculous. Um, when I'm watching the match, and he goes over to the VAR, I'm like, oh, okay, great, penalty. We've got it, we'll kick it. And then stunned disbelief in my house, sitting on my couch. I I, I was literally beside myself because I could not believe it. As I assume so many, as you and so many of the listeners were, uh, it was like they, they got 
potentially the worst call of the year out of the way in the in one of the first matches of the year. Uh, you know, you've been around long enough to know better than that. I There's... know it'll get much worse. Yeah. They they will ignore and or penalize us in a much more egregious manner going forward. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it, it just, you know, I don't even get excited anymore when it goes to review. It's like, well, the original call went the other way, and so they're going to uphold it, or the original call went Orlando's way, and they're going to overturn it. I just assume that's going to be the case, because it always just seems to be the case. I, I just, If you go back to the LAFC game last year, the in, in about a 19-game span, there have been at least four inexplicable calls that have gone against Orlando City. Uh, either yep. either something wasn't clear and obvious and got overturned anyway, or something was clear and obvious and did, still didn't go Orlando's way, uh, as uh, you know, as is the case with the Columbus game last year, for example, with the with the penalty in that game, which was just downy soft. Uh, if I, th- the, I think we should actually keep track of this this year, just because we don't want to sound like conspiracy theorists. So we should, and and maybe I'll do it, but we should actually, okay, we'll make a note of this one, and we'll do it on any weird call whatsoever and which way it went and see what happens, at, and, and go back and look at it at the end of the season. The only good thing about it is that, you know, people have long said, well, Orlando City, sorry, Ohio State's on my television right now. <laughs> basketball. They're, they're playing very bad basketball right now. Um, Orlando City. <laughs> Orlando City fans, uh, you know, are, are considered whiners about the officiating around the league. Well, now you're getting to see why. You, this is not something new. This is something we've been looking at and seeing time and time again, uh, you know, since Orlando City came into MLS. So it, it's... We understand that bad calls go against other teams. We understand that um, officials, you know, aren't supposedly not out to get them. But what we don't understand is why this continues to be game-changing calls just repeatedly, you know, against one team. I mean, it's it's never – it never seems to balance out. I mean, it's never – you know, where is the outrage – after an Orlando City win, there's, I mean, can you remember one? Can you remember an outraged opposing fan base because of a call after an Orlando City win? No, I cannot. I, I really cannot. I, I'm not saying that there isn't one, but I cannot remember one off the top of my head now. The law of averages says that this, this is supposed to even out over time. It doesn't seem to be evening out over time. It's been we're we're working year five here. When is, when are these gonna? I mean, <laughs> we're due like a whole season's worth. I mean, Orlando City. Yeah, in two or three more years, Orlando City will go thirty-four and zero based on bad calls that go the other way, probably. So that 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 will get it all all back at once. <laughs> I'll take it anyway. <laughs> So an 0-0-1 start to the season for the fourth time in five years. Orlando City now will go to face the Chicago Fire in Chicago, and that is a place that has been very, very bad for Orlando City the last couple of years after a a good start. Um, What the heck? they, They were Toyota Park, and now I think they're something weird. They're some some other thing like Seat Buddy or... Seat Geek Stadium or something. I, I don't even remember what it is, but it's uh, uh, it's Seat that Geek place. Stadium. Yeah, Seat Geek. It's out in Bridgeview, though. So uh, that hasn't been kind for uh, the Lions the last couple of years. 
Um, and I thought Chicago looked very good in their opening game. They didn't win, but they looked very good at times, and they looked very dangerous, and they have some really good players on that team. So very tall order. We'll talk about that a little later in the program when we give our key matchups and our uh, our score predictions, speaking of which, you got yours right. Holy cow. For the first time, I think, in podcast history, I got one right. You picked 2-2. We both had them drawing the game, which we they did. did. And, um, you know, so we both got the correct result. You got the correct score. Congrats to you. Who was Thank your man you. of the match? Uh, for me, it was Chris Mueller. Uh, he got first goal of the year for the Lions. He got first goal of the year for himself. He did everything you expect of that young man as far as, you know, running up and down the field, putting 180% effort into everything. And I know that's not a real number, but it seems like he can do it. So uh, for me, it was Mueller. Yeah, Mueller was pretty much a no-brainer, I think, as man of the match. He uh, he created five chances. Uh, that was more than any player in the game. He scored the goal. He had um, could have had a, a, an assist or a hockey assist had there not been a handball. Yep. Uh, so, um, yeah, great night for, for Cash and, uh, you know, hopefully the first of many. So congrats to, to Chris Mueller. He was our, you know, player grades man of the match. He was fans man of the match. And so I think it's pretty much unanimous. All right. So uh, the season's underway. Who knew? I, you know, opening day was weird because it just <laughs> it did not feel like opening day to me. It just no, I, it I was driving to the stadium going. It just doesn't feel like opening day. Um, don't know. Crazy. Um, all right. So then we can turn our attention, Dave, to other matters. And uh, of course, there was plenty to talk about. The Orlando Pride has resigned or have resigned. Five players, the five of the seven that were offered new contracts in the offseason. Of course, the team parted ways with Poliana and Monica and uh, had five remaining. All five signed, and uh, Camilla being one of them, uh, Haley Kopmeyer, uh, Danica Evans, Rachel Hill, uh, and Tony Presley. So uh, Mark Skinner has uh, some, some folks at training. They started mm-hmm. on Monday. They don't have everybody. The internationals are still gone. By the way, Shalina Zadorsky uh, has... Uh, finished third in the Algarve Cup with Canada. They beat Sweden today in uh, penalty kicks uh, 6-5. Shalina did not take a penalty kick in that game, um, but uh, she was on the on the uh, starting uh, lineup, and uh, so congrats to Canada for third place in the Algarve Cup. Uh, the U.S. finished second in the She Believes Cup after a brutal She Believes Cup. Oh, um, yeah. They... The, the back line had problems the first two games. They gave up a goal in stoppage time in the first game to Japan, which was killer. Yep. And um, then they drew England. And in the last two games combined of that uh, of the, the event, the She Believes Cup, they, they fired 40 shots against England and uh, Brazil. And of those 40, I believe 12 were on goal. So yeah, it's, it was it's pretty easy to see where the offensive problems were. Yeah, it was not a good She Believes Cup. Um, you know, Alex is sitting there at 99, and, and you're really hoping that she can get to 100, and it doesn't happen. And then you're also looking at the rest of it going, this is supposedly the best team in the world, and I, I still believe that. I think they had a bad... Uh, 
event. Um, you know, it was they they seemed. I don't know if it was a World Cup jitters or what it was, but for whatever reason, they couldn't they couldn't get past themselves to just play the way they usually play. Um, obviously, you know, there were individual players who had good matches. Um, uh, Chris impressed it pretty well, and um, so did... Uh, help me out. Um, I don't know who you're thinking of. I think, um, Morgan, I think Morgan had a good game against... Japan. Yeah, Alex, Alex. Look, Alex. The Japan Alex game, she well. was very, very good. She did a lot of good things away from the. You know, they're asking her to play a little deeper to to be part of the build up. She did a good job with that. She did a good job with her back to goal. I thought her passing in the Japan game was quite good, and she scored her 99th goal. Um, and then she wasn't able to to really get set up in the other two games. I thought that Crystal Dunn was terrible in this tournament. Uh, she had a lot of issues defending. I still think she's probably not right back. Um, and I don't know that the team has a, a, a good enough base of center backs to play a three uh, three at the back system right. uh, so that they can push her for, uh, forward a little bit. But it, it was a tough th- uh, a tough beginning to the uh, to the year to for the U.S. And I think it, it's... I don't know if it's the weight of expectations or what with the World Cup coming, but right now they don't look like a team that can challenge for the World Cup. They look like a team that can maybe get out of the group and then fizzle. The player I was thinking was was Tobin Heath. Tobin Tobin played really well. Um, Harris had a good match against uh, Brazil as well, um, but uh, you're you're right. I it, it I don't know if it's expectations. I don't know what it is. Um, my thought as I was watching this, my hope is is that this might actually end up being a good thing, uh, them not performing well in the She Believes Cup. And this is the eternal, you know, uh, American outlaw optimism in me that uh, this is the one that makes them wake up and go, okay, we can't just, you know, slide into the World Cup and we're going to win this thing no matter what. Um, that they, it, it refocuses them for the World Cup and they go in there guns blazing and, and you know the ship gets righted and everything is okay uh, obviously that may or may not happen um, you know there are as we saw in this tournament I mean England England looked great uh, and there's other really good national teams out there as well so I mean it's it's not a given on any level um, despite the year they had in 2018 and they had a phenomenal year in 2018 and and some of it may be that we're coming off a, a year where they were outrageously good um, and so it's one of those things where you go into every single match thinking that they're going to win the match and if they don't even if they draw it's kind of a oh well geez I, I would have thought they'd done better um, so I don't know if it's unrealistic expectations if it's World Cup jitters I, I there's a lot of things that could go into it, but um, like I said, my my hope is that they will take second place in She Believes and that will motivate them to refocus and be ready for World Cup. Well, I hope so, but right now they look to be a little bit of a mess and like a team that needs a shake-up, maybe at the top. Uh you know, I know. I know. There's there's been a lot of there there are a lot of Jill Ellis detractors out there, and I I think there's probably a pretty good reason for it. But yeah, um, 
occasionally know, fact us. of the matter. <laughs> fact of the matter is that uh, that's probably not going to happen. But um, we'll see what happens, uh, as we always always do. Australia, I can tell you it's not going to happen during the World Cup. Uh, Emily Van Egmond and Alana Kennedy won the Cup of Nations with Australia, so congrats to them. Congrats. And um, Brazil did not win or draw a match in the uh, She Believes Cup. Uh, Marta played pretty well um, at times. I didn't get to see all of Brazil's games, but against the U.S., she was she had a very strong game, and largely because she was going 1v1 with Crystal Dunn a few times, and uh, yeah. she forced a you know, Ashlyn Harrison do a couple of good saves. Um, but really the only good, the only saves that really Ashlyn had to make on the night. So, uh, good for her getting the, the start, get, good for her getting the clean sheet. Didn't have a lot of work to do, but all um, I'll say about Marta is I like when she's on my team, on my team rather than when I'm having to play against her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny that there was a point in the game where, um, Alex Morgan took the ball off Monica's foot, and uh, I thought this has probably happened a few times in training, and uh, you know, with the Orlando <laughs> Pride. But uh, then Monica reached out, grabbed her, and uh, they they didn't get a call for whatever reason. Just kind of like they didn't get a call early in that game when Mallory Pugh got run over from behind. And they, I guess they don't. Maybe there's a policy we don't give penalties 20 seconds into a game, but uh, that was another pretty pretty clear and obvious penalty that didn't get called, but. Uh, it's over, and now the internationals can start trickling back to Orlando, and Mark Skinner can get to know his players, and that will be nice uh, to have a full team. We are expecting some signings at some point. Um, of course, there will be there's an international slot opened up from the uh, the trade of Christine Nairn to the Houston Dash, and uh, we may not see that happen until April when the uh, European seasons end. Of course. We expect that maybe maybe Skinner will sign somebody from his old team in Birmingham. That, yeah, that would be the uh, if if one was a betting man. Yeah, I would think that might be a possibility. So, uh, anyway, Dave, uh, why don't we get to our guest this week? Of course, you weren't around for the interview, so I, I talked. Not. I talked to Kamal Miller, and uh, let's get to that interview right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast, we are very happy to have with us uh, rookie defender Kamal Miller of Orlando City. Kamal, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So uh, I wanted to start out by asking you uh, just how crazy it's been since the Super Draft that, uh, you know, here you are, and uh, did you expect to be starting games this early in your career? Uh, it's been it's been really crazy since the Super Draft. Um, everything has been happening so fast with just jumping straight to IMG at preseason and getting right in the mix with all the guys. Um, did I expect to start this early in my career? Um, I don't really have an answer for that. It's all based on timing and opportunity. I just want to shout out that my coaches, coaching staff, and teammates have really prepared me well for this moment. So I feel like. I just stepped in and did exactly what I what I was brought here to do. Now, I'm curious as to you know the the draft experience and and how that relates. I used to report on college football and the the, the draft process there is uh, obviously a lot different. But 
what goes through your mind as a mm-hmm. as a draft pick and you you know I mean obviously you know the odds of making a team uh, an MLS team if you're not a first round pick and, and what goes in it goes into that how did you maintain you know the a positive attitude going into camp knowing that you had a, an uphill climb to to make the team uh, I mean I maintain that positive mindset by just having uh talks with myself every day that that this is what what I want to do with my life and that I fully have to commit I know that I knew that nothing would be handed to me and I would have to go out and work and prove myself but I've been into many positions like this before um so it, it was pretty natural and it was easy coming into such a climate like this where the where all of the guys the veterans and the coaching staff were, were so receptive and, and treated me as an Orlando City player from the from the first day of preseason. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Who who really kind of um, you know took you under their wing and, and helped you sort of learn the ropes as a as a professional upon your arrival in Orlando? Um, it's, it's tough to say because everyone was uh, was so was so receptive and open to helping to helping the, all of the young guys, not only myself but a few that that stood out that, that I leaned to for, for questions and stuff like that have definitely been uh, Will and uh, and Lamine and Sasha as well but, but not only them everyone from Dom down to the, to Brian everyone is, is great I want to go back to uh, you know talking a little bit about the draft and, and the lead up to that was there a point where you knew Orlando City was interested in you prior to the pick was it you know, did you did you have conversations, or, or were you aware of their interest prior to draft day, or, or was it like something that just kind of came up during the course of draft day? Um, something that that came up during draft day. You know, just sitting there, just waiting for my name to be called, and I couldn't be more happy when when it was Orlando. So, like, if you're sitting at home watching this, or if you're there watching, how? Like is it like just seconds before the pick that you get notified, or or is it you know, or are you notified a few minutes? You know how like sort of break down the the, the mechanics of that for us. Um, surprisingly, uh, you're notified when when your name is called by the by the commissioner. So it's all it's a very quick experience, a quick time to rally yourself and, and prepare for the moment. But with that's how fast it happens. <laughs> wow, that's that's something. I, well, I guess it it, it definitely um, preserves the element of surprise. Uh, but uh, congratulations yeah. on on being picked. I wanted to to go back to your first game. Now you you you're obviously you're, you're it's opening day. There's got to be some jitters, and you know you're playing a very good offensive team in New York City FC. You know what did you do to sort of calm yourself down as as you know kickoff approached and and the first uh you know the first kick of the ball happened um i just treated the game as if it was any other game day you know i I, after my four years in college um i had some big games there as well so i just tried to treat it like like any other game but also it was uh again the the guys around me the veterans coming to me and telling me that you're here for a reason um this didn't happen by chance you're supposed to be here so just go out and play like, like any other game and that's exactly what I did alright so you know yourself better than anybody you know yourself clearly better than Orlando City fans know you so far how would you assess on a scale of 1 to 10 10 being your best game 
how would you assess your your opening game in MLS? Um, I'll give my performance um, about a about a six. As as a defender, we 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 prioritize prioritize our our games on clean sheets and giving the opponent absolutely nothing. Um, so the fact that we conceded two wasn't the best, but there were a lot of positive takeaways. Um, the fact that we were able to rally and then come back with that uh, with that tying goal and, and put, really push for the winner that we thought we should have had um, was overall a very good performance and one to remember, I think. What is something that fans have not learned yet about Kamal Miller that they will come to find out about you? I think they'll learn that I'm that I'm resilient. I, I've been thrown in a in a lot of tough situations in my life before. Um, even as a freshman in college, I stepped right in and, and started as a freshman in college. So um, I'm used to these situations, and I want them to know that I'll be ready for for whatever they for whatever's thrown at me, and I'll, I'll fight till my last breath for for the best. So you you played college at Syracuse. Now you've been down here uh, for a few weeks now. It's um, it's only early March. Uh, how are you adjusting to the weather? Uh, the adjustment period is, has been has been good. Um, wearing an extra layer and training to try to prep myself for the upcoming humidity that that I've heard about. But well, really, just taking it day by day and really focusing on the things off the field like hydration, rest, sleep, and, and recovery. So you've had a few days to, to look back at your performance. What are some of the things you want to do better in, in game two and moving forward now that you've got a chance to maybe look back a little bit about at the New York City game? Um, looking back at the game, I, I definitely want to be a better communicator. Although I'm a young guy, I feel like as a, as a defender – and someone in my position, I have to communicate whether it's to a ten-year veteran or to or to the little beside me. I just really have to to be that voice that that the team needs. How much help is uh, is Brian behind you guys? Uh, I know he's a, a newer addition to the team, like yourself. How has he been uh, in terms of making sure you guys stay organized and, and aware of the the danger that's uh, you know that's maybe lurking? Um, you know, out of your your range of vision. Uh, Brian has been has been great. Um, a veteran has been on multiple teams, has pretty much seen it all within the league. So the fact that, the fact that I have someone like that behind me gives me a lot of confidence, and I know that when he speaks, I'm getting the best information that that I possibly could coming from the keeper. So so it's really reassuring to have him back there. So as one of the young guys, this is something I'm always interested in, and I think the fans are as well. You know, how do you um, sort of come to terms with, um, you know, walking onto the pitch that first day and, you know, you've got a, a Dom Dwyer and, and a Nani out there and, uh, you know, you, you've, you've seen what these Inasasha Kleshin, guys that you've seen their accomplishments and you've probably, you know, seen them on TV for a few years. Uh, you know, what is it like for you to to just sort of come to grips with the fact that you now work with these people? It, it's it's tough. Um, tough in a good way, knowing that I have this type of quality to go against every day in training, so it really prepares me 
for for what I'll be coming against uh, on game day, but I'm still uh, a bit starstruck knowing that I share the locker room with some of these guys and knowing the fact that they're so receptive to any questions or problems that I have, they're so willing to help. So that gives me so much confidence and makes me feel very uh, at home. Now, last year the rookies had to get up and sing in front of the whole team. Did they make you sing this year? Yes, definitely. Not not only the rookies, but all every new player had to sing and <laughs> at our preseason at IMG. So, so that that was great. And, and what song did you did you pick for your your song? The song that I chose was "Beautiful Girls" by by Sean Kingston, and so that crowd favorite. And I knew everyone would would jump in and help me. <laughs> All right, that's great. So, what? You know, other than obviously uh, trying to stay, uh, you know, a regular in the in the rotation on defense for Orlando City this year, what what personal goals do you have for the season? Personal goals. Some personal goals I have are just uh, just really get into the into the rhythm of being a pro. Um, it's, it's different from college where I can fully after training I don't have to take a quick shower and rush to class I can fully focus on on my body and, and my craft so just taking every day to u- utilize all the tools around me and the bigger coaching staff just getting extra work as much as I can and, and bettering bettering myself so that whenever my name is called I know I'll be ready for the opportunity awesome well Kamal I can't let you get out of here without asking you what are we going to see when you score a goal what's the celebration going to be when I score a goal, I'll have a uh, a nice signature dance that uh, myself and and Daniel have been working on. So so coming soon. All right, outstanding. Kamal Miller, uh, defender for Orlando City. Thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Best of luck to you this season, and we hope to have you on again. Thank you so much. Pleasure, pleasure for being here. All right, we want to thank Kamal Miller for uh, being with us on the Mainland Podcast this week on episode 152. Very nice to have Kamal. He's a, uh, you know, he, he seems like a very thoughtful guy. He, you know, takes a, a moment to think over his answers, but I really appreciated his uh, his candor. It was very interesting to find out that he had no idea who was drafting him until his uh, his name was called. Um, that was kind of that was kind of cool, actually. I, I, you always assume that somebody's on the phone with somebody and say, "Yeah, right. you know, we're you know we're, we're coming up and we're going to pick you," um, but apparently that maybe doesn't happen at the MLS Super Draft so much as it does at the the NFL Draft. But uh, that was an interesting story. I can't imagine sitting there going, uh, "Oh, that's me. Hey, me. I got drafted." Uh, but uh, thanks again to Kamal. Thanks for uh, to Matt Botterford for uh, hooking us up with the interview. Appreciate you, Matt. Um, Dave, before uh, we get out of here, we, of course, uh, have to give our key matchups and our predictions a little later, but we first should talk uh, about the the mail that the readers send in and how to do that. Why yes. don't you tell people, can you remember, it's been a while, can you remember how people send us questions and they can ask us anything? They can ask us anything on the Twitters at STML. PC mm, hashtag hashtag at asktmlpc <laughs> and they can email us at 
themainland at gmail.com. Or they can even at Mainland Dave or at Mainland Michael if they're feeling really lazy and don't want to do the hashtag stuff. Yeah, the main the mainland at gmail.com is how you email us. That's the old fashioned way, but you can certainly do it that way. Uh, we can we we want to we want to hear from you. So yeah, ask us about you know soccer questions or not soccer questions. Not soccer questions, sure. Uh, so we have um, let's see. I know we have some questions that we got in the emails. Maybe while I'm doing that, you can you can look on Twitter. I don't remember seeing I, any, but there may be some. I will look on the Twitters. All right, this so I will go to the quality email. programming. Yeah, because... I'm, going, I'm going to the email right now because I know we got questions. We got a question from uh, Greg Maimoni, and thanks, Greg, for uh, phonetically spelling uh, out your last name, the pronunciation of your last name. I appreciate that. Uh, yes. Greg would like to know. Uh, he's got a question about merchandising. He says, "I am a Pride season ticket holder. Why is it that Pride that the Pride offer very little, red none, merchandising options for little kids? I have a, my one-year-old that I brought to every game last year and plan on bringing to all the games this year as well, and was forced to go through uh, cl- non-club affiliated." channels to get him some pride gear to wear at the game. City has some offerings, but the pride have none. I did a cursory search through other NWSL teams, and a few offer at least one little kid merch item, Portland being the exception with a number of options and being adorable to boot, but the pride offered nothing. I know attendance hasn't been as strong as they hoped, but I know I'm not the only one looking for gear for littles. Um, I guess, really, Dave, neither of us will know the answer to uh, you know why they don't uh, I would say that maybe the current problem, I don't know about the past problem, the current problem is we're in the off season, and maybe the Pride uh, are ramping up to something more this year. Um, I would say the Pride offer mm, a lot fewer options in general than they do for the MLS side, and that's probably just a, a, a monetary thing. They, they, they order what they think they can sell, and they don't, uh, you know, they, they maybe are a little hesitant to take too many chances on the NWSL side gear. You have anything to add to that? Uh, all I would say is I, I agree in that it's, it's unfortunately most likely an economies of scale type thing. Uh, supply demand while uh, we all wish that there was more available um, for all that. I, I wish I could buy anything up here that was purple. Um but I can't um, because, unfortunately, there's only so many of us here that are Lions supporters uh, or Pride supporters versus in the Central Florida area. Um, you know what? All I would say is um, email the club. Let them know your desires as far as the things you would like to see. It's still all small enough that they might listen. And if, uh, especially if you were to get a, if you if you're if you have a child that age and you know other parents with children that age, and you can go, hey, I know of just myself of ten people that would do it, then they can extrapolate that there might be a hundred or two hundred or a thousand, you know, babies that might want that type of thing, and maybe they'll do it. Um, you know, if uh, if you. If you ask, you might just get. Yeah, bug the bug the club. I mean, bug their 
bug your ticket rep. Say, I'd really like to have this. And then, you know, pass it along to your merchandising department. Uh, who who among us wouldn't like to have a onesie, an Orlando Pride onesie for our child or even for our adults? Um, yeah, right. Thanks. Uh, Footy thank pajamas. <laughs> thank you for the question. Uh, we have another one from the email. J.D. Pike says uh, he would uh, like to know what formation should Orlando play. James O'Connor has toyed with the 3-5-2, a 3-4-3, his personal favorite, J.D.'s personal favorite, and a 5-3-2. I think a 3-4-3 consisting of Brian Rowe, Miller O'Neill, Sané, Acosta, Kleshton, Sebas, Smith, Nani, the captain, Dwyer, Mueller. Thanks for uh, any feedback, and go City. Dave, what do you think the Orlando City Lions should play? I don't know that the I don't know that O'Connor's even figured it out yet. Um, honestly, um, I think I think if he can find uh, that other uh, offensive piece up top, then uh, he, he he might do something like through so that he's got you know the scores up top. But I I I, I honestly think he's still trying to figure out with the especially I mean you, you got to figure that Nani just got there so he's got to figure out what's going on um, ideally I, whatever scores the most goals I mean that's it's a it's an attacking style offense is what O'Connor likes to do so I think the more people forward uh, the better for him so I, I expect a three-man back line other than that I don't think he cares I think it has more to do with um the passing and the and the the movement among the players as rather than a particular formation it was a trick question dave i you know what what uh, formation should orlando city use the one that fits their tactics for that game plan that's what that's which one they should use and and Ah, it it really kind of doesn't matter too much uh, what they do because in game it changes so much and you know, people change positions, they change spots on the field, and I think that, that we're going to see more of that going forward. We saw much more of it against New England, I think, than we saw necessarily against uh, New York City FC. New York City, yeah. But um, I do think there was some of that going on. I think I looked at the one thing that I did notice is I looked at the heat maps of the players, and Sasha's was pretty. Uh, pretty static and I think a lot of people were giving Sasha grief oh he doesn't he can't run he doesn't run he doesn't move he just sits in the middle of the pitch well he also led the team in passes he led the team in touches and that's why because that's where he's supposed to be he's supposed to make himself available in the middle link the back to the front link the left to the right and he did that the whole entire game I thought he did a really nice job of that and I think that that's kind of his role in in what James O'Connor's system is and I think that we're not probably going to see too much of that. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, he had he had three shots. He had a couple of nice layoffs, one of which should have been finished by Chris Mueller. And he drew the foul that led to Chris Mueller's goal. So, he, I mean, he did a lot of good things in that game. He wasn't as sharp as you would want him to be and certainly not as sharp as he was in the preseason game. But he tired noticeably late in that game. It was a hot day. And these guys are going to get yeah. fitter as they go. They're they're they've only put in ninety a couple of times now, two two times for some of these guys, and they're going to become more and more fit. Um, and I think you're going to see a little bit more improvement late in the game. I thought what Sasha did in the first sixty minutes was 
really good and then in the last 30 it started to tail off as he got a little more tired but he he still made some big plays like I said he he chased somebody down from behind late in the game and I didn't think he actually could still do that so um, anyway JD thanks for your question I do appreciate it uh, thanks for asking and we uh, I, I, I don't think Dave or I have a personal preference or, or thinks that there's any one particular shape that should be used um, no. James O'Connor needs to be flexible and so uh, so does the team uh, and it's, it's going to vary um, so uh, appreciate it Dave you have anything in the Twitter? Yeah. Did you see anything in the Twitter? I haven't found anything in the Twitters. Uh, you can double check me. I've been re uh, reading to see if I missed. It. I'm not seeing a darn thing, and that might be because we didn't put out a call for any. We didn't, but you know, <laughs> the, these guys—they're trained. They're well trained, and they know that they're supposed to send us questions on Twitter. Some, some of them. Some of them are. <laughs> yeah, some of them are. Um, yeah, but uh, I uh, yeah, and, and if we miss it, uh, sorry guys. I uh, I have a new phone today, so I, if if something happened, I'm blaming it on that. Um, but I don't see anything. I'm looking under the hashtag. So yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen anything, um, and it's it, it. Honestly, I usually hit them with a like, and sometimes it's. Uh, then I get start liking actual things that I actually like, and then I lose them in my likes. So make sure you use the, the yes. hashtag #AskTMLPC because it's much easier to search the hashtag than it is just to just to get a question. Um, but yeah, uh, so thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Please make sure you do so uh, either on Twitter. Ask TMLPC hashtag is very important as I just mentioned, or hit us up at the mainland at gmail.com. So those are a couple of good ways for you to reach us and ask us anything. Um, okay, Dave, it's time. Let's see if you can go two for two on the young season. I need your key matchups, but then I need, more importantly, your scoreline prediction for Orlando City at the Chicago Fire on Saturday. Boy, okay, so uh, um, key matchup is going to be the midfield, um, especially if we have uh, Mr. Seabass in there. Yeah, how much can he disrupt uh, one uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger and the rest? Because um, I think um, as as makeshift as the back line was last time I, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe that can get solved um, and with uh, the additions with, with Mueller up top I'm, I'm not as worried about the offense this season uh, especially with uh, Dom and uh, Tesho so I think the, the midfield which is where we lost a lot of games last year I think that's going to be important so if if, if Seabass can bottle that up and if the rest of the midfield can do something in there I feel pretty good however um, as you said, on the road at a place where we do not historically do well, I'm going to say, uh, unfortunately, a 2-1 loss. And I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going with a 2-1 loss. All right. Well, you took my scoreline. Uh, <laughs> I will say that, uh, yeah, 2-1 was what I was thinking of. I could also see it being uh, 1-0 or 2-0. I think it's been a tough place for Orlando to score the last couple of years um, 
0-2 against Chicago last year, 2-3-4 and all-time. 2-2-1 and on the road, but that was included, uh, I think both of those wins at Chicago were in 2015. So it's been a little while. It's been a minute since the team has uh, has uh, won at Chicago. So I, that for for those reasons alone, I would say that. But I also watched Chicago play this week, and they looked really good. Even though they didn't win, um, they played pretty well, and I think they have a lot of dangerous, dangerous players. So my key matchup is going to be Orlando City's back line against yeah. guys like Katai and Mihalovic and. and um, you know, if Nikolic plays, he didn't play in L.A., but uh, mm-hmm. he's 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 destroyed Orlando. And also they have C.J. Sapong, who always scores against Orlando, seemingly. Uh-huh. So they have tons and tons of weapons. And so, I, I, I mean, that's the way I see it. I, I'd, I'd really love to go to go to Bridgeview, come back with three points, and make it like, you know, like the team of 2015, where they were able to do things like that, like go to Bridgeview and come home with three points. Uh, I think we I think we should go back to where I'm wrong about things again. Well, if you're wrong, I'm wrong because we have the same scoreline prediction. So, <laughs> well, to be fair, you're you weren't. I mean, you were right more than I was, but not by a lot. Well, you know, it's it's not a contest, Dave. <laughs> Even though you're keeping track, I am I keeping track. I'm I'm only keeping track so we can see how bad we can do. Do you actually have our all-time statistics? Uh, I will have to pull that together because it's in a different spreadsheet than I, I have a new spreadsheet for 2019, so I'd have to go pull that. Oh, up. I see. So you're not you got to you got to put that like at the top. You got to put the uh, previous record. Yes, I I, <laughs> I I I will I will get that pulled together by the next podcast. All right, so I think that's going to do it. We'll be back next week to talk about the uh, the Orlando City at Chicago Fire match. Uh, maybe we'll have some more Pride news next week. We will, of course. Uh, preview the, uh, I believe the Montreal Impact will be the next game after that, so we'll have to preview that. Um, any other soccer news that comes our way, we'll let you know. We are, uh, you know, we're keeping an eye on the situation with uh, Orlando City being in on um, potentially a center back, and we're going to hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll get that wrapped up this week. We we heard it was very very close, and um, we don't know. Uh, when that might be announced, or if it will even get done, it was—I was told it was about 99.9% done. But even 99.9% is not done, so uh, you know it could—it could have fallen apart. And uh, in this case, a uh, guy's name is Robin Janssen, and he is a fantastic story. Actually, he was a guy who—he—he um, he ended up uh, coming out of. Uh, who's working like a regular job in a horseshoe factory. Yes. Uh, he had been playing in the third division in Sweden. And uh, he came back and helped anchor a back line and played, you know, 25 games, start all of them starts uh, on a team that was ended up being one of the best defensive teams in the league. They won the league that year, this being 2018. And uh, he was a big reason why they did that. In fact, he scored a goal in the clinching game. He scored the only goal of the game in a 1-0 uh, victory with a header off of a set piece. So uh, Jansen is a great story. Um, a guy who was playing third division, late bloomer, um, you know, walked out of a horseshoe factory, took a job, and and ended up uh, being a folk hero for uh, his team in Sweden. So um, that's a guy who I think the team is, is close to signing, and um, 
we hope that it will happen soon because you know how these things are even if it was announced tomorrow it's still going to take time yeah it's going to take time for him to get his paperwork get over here it'll be it'll be a month easily before he's in the lineup I would think oh without a doubt and obviously as we talked about earlier center back is a position of need so uh, let's hurry up and get uh, Jensen over here yeah I mean if you're going to play three at the back you have to have center backs and this team doesn't have a lot of center backs there's the three that played on uh, Saturday plus Asquez and Sané and of course Sané's been banged up a lot in a short time uh, with Orlando so you can't necessarily always count on him uh, and Asquez, even in his short time with Orlando, has uh, suffered a few knocks. So um, they got to have to have more bodies because if some of the guys that have been playing uh, are out, uh, that's that's not good. It's not good. No. So uh, Robin Robin Jansen is a guy who uh, we're we're hoping uh, to see uh, signed this week. So uh, good luck to Orlando City. Hopefully they can get that done um, and uh, and bring him in. So hopefully we'll have more on that. And we'll be back to talk it all over next week. Let's put a bow on 152, episode 152, that is, of the Mainland Podcast. By the way, please, uh, if you like what you hear, please uh, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Of course, iTunes is where most podcasts come from and uh, where most people get their get their podcasts and download from. So if you... Uh, if you give us a rating and a review, it helps us to get in front of more people's eyes and that uh, kind of expands our audience. So uh, we're doing pretty good by uh, all. Uh, we have 39 ratings to date, and we are averaging 5.0 out of 5, Dave. So that's a pretty good average. Yeah, that is, and we want to keep it up. And if you give us a 5 out of 5, we will read it on the air, so to speak. Yeah, we can read your five-star excellent review. Uh, of our podcast right here on uh, on the show. So you want to do I, that. You want to do that, and you want to do it now. That's worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> we do actually have one, Dave. <laughs> oh, we do? Oh, yeah. well, then let's go for Try it. Try Guy 13 did this on Sunday. Sunday, he, uh, he says, whether the teams... This is a great OCSC resource. Whether the teams are doing well or not so well, you guys offer a fair look at what the teams are doing. Please keep up the great work. So thank you. Uh, Try Guy 13 for the uh, the nice review. So appreciate Thank you that. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we we look forward to having more five star reviews to read on the air. But that'll do it. Uh, 152 is done. We said all we can say. Actually, no. If you know us, we can we, say a lot yeah. More. We could have said, but, but we said but a it's, lot. It's late, and yeah. we're going to go to bed. So yeah. Okay, uh, Dave. Uh, that will do it. And we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the Chicago Fire game. We're going to talk about what transpired, how many bad calls there were. <laughs> and hopefully how wrong we were. Oh, that would be nice. But uh, yes. as long as it... I think it's a, really a win for Orlando City if they if they just don't lose 4-0 up there. Yeah, yeah. That would be so a big that's, step that's, in the right direction. That's the standard we are setting right now. <laughs> yeah, so just don't lose 4-0 or worse, and, and it's a step in the right direction. Exactly. All right, 152 is over. On behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, asking you to read our stuff at themainland.com, please, and uh, you know, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we will uh, see you next week. We'll sign off the way we always do, by saying, Go City, Go Pride, and Go Seawolves. <laughs>